Hi, I'm Dr. Pat Basu, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. Incredibly excited for today's show where we talk about a topic that could not be more important and more timely, and that is the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, the vaccine uh, has been with us here in, uh, people have been getting it now for a couple of months. It's on everybody's minds. Hopefully more and more it'll be in, in people's bodies and we can we can really beat this this disease back. To help us in today's show and, and really take us through everything you want to know about the vaccine, we're joined by a renowned infectious disease specialist uh, who is also the leader of the infectious disease uh, COVID-19 task force at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Dr. Chaudhary. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Dr. Basu. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're, we're lucky to have you here because this is, you know, a topic that's on everybody's mind. Uh, you know, COVID-19, it is not hyperbole to say, literally changed our lives and every aspect of our lives coming up on almost a year ago now. It's, it's hard to believe, you know, for some people it probably seems like a decade ago, for some people, maybe it seems like just yesterday, but 11 months ago in, in March of, of 2020, uh, people began to hear about this, uh, this novel coronavirus, this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and it has changed our lives in every single way. And, uh, you know, always begin with people for, for you and I as, as physicians, uh, you know, the our, our, our motto at CTCA, you know, is, is really it's only and always about the patient. And sadly, uh, the numbers have just become staggering. We're talking about more than 2 million uh, people worldwide who have been killed uh, by this virus. Just here at home in the United States alone, 400,000, uh, you know, something that we must use medicine and science, collaboration and cooperation to really the best of, of humanity, frankly, to beat this, this virus back. Uh, we have the Pfizer and the Moderna um, vaccines that, uh, thankfully, millions uh, have begun to receive since December, and hopefully tens of millions will get uh, going forward. You and I, I know have gotten it. But lots of questions on people's minds. Uh, let's do. Let's uh, really jump into it. Why don't we start by you telling us a bit about, uh, about these two vaccines, the, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine. Uh, how are they? What type of vaccines are they? How are they produced? What makes them different? This is an extraordinary time that we are passing through. And first of all, my heart goes out to thousands of families who lost their family members, loved ones. And I lost my good friends from COVID-19. And unfortunately, we are still seeing the lot of cases, like you said, and hospitalization and death. Uh, this is the worst pandemic in 100 years. And you know, we are, we are suffering, our families are suffering, our cancer patients are suffering, and cancer cannot wait. So basically, the vaccine that we have right now from Pfizer and Moderna, those are really extraordinary. What I mean by that is actually the vaccine traditionally and conventionally, we use either live virus, we kill them or make them weak, or take the antigen or protein of a particular pathogen and then inject to our body so our body can actually teach our immunity to fight against the virus or bacteria. But in this case, this is a very new technology. In this case, they're using called messenger RNA. And this messenger RNA is actually is synthesized in the laboratory. What it does is actually 
uh, in the beginning, we know that this every pathogen or viruses has a unique property and unique protein. And in this case, in COVID-19, there is a protein called spike protein, which is on the surface, and it integrated into our cell and then cause all these problems. So the scientists actually sequence that code of that protein, spike protein, and then synthesize, like I said, in the laboratory, and then package it in a lipid nanoparticle, and then inject to our cell. Once we inject in our, into our cell, we instruct our cell to make that spike-like protein. The, once it is in the cell, it doesn't really go to the nucleus and it doesn't get into embedded in our DNA. That is important to realize because it is in the cytoplasm. So it gets integrated, disintegrated eventually. But by that time, it actually teaches our immunity so we can make the antibody. So once we make the antibody, then in future, if people get infection, we are safe. Now, the Pfizer and BioNTech, uh, that the vaccine that we see right now is ready to and, and is enrolling and getting to people's arm, they actually have done their study and is published in peer-reviewed uh, journal. And we know the data. And the data looks really fantastic. It is 90 to 95% effective and with very low side effect. Now, you remember that we said that if the vaccine is more than 50% effective, we are pretty good. So this is kind of unexpected result. And it is just because that I think it is a new technology and then we have did a lot of advancement, advancement in the science. And this is the product of our uh, advancement of science and knowledge. And we are very lucky that we have these two vaccines and enrolling this vaccine to our uh, population. So eventually, if we can get this vaccination done in our population, uh, then we can actually completely eradicate this virus for, from our community. Fantastic. You're right. We we absolutely are <clears throat> fortunate uh, to have not just one, but but multiple vaccines now. So just kind of rewinding for a second there, you know, we, we on this show have tried to make some everyday analogies to, you know, to, to what we're describing. And so sometimes I've used the analogy of, you know, a, a, an infection or a virus being a you know, sort of like a, a criminal or a for you know a foreign invader, if you will, and our immune system, um, our immune system oftentimes just can't recognize or recognize it fast enough to you know to replicate. So in some cases, a vaccine, I've used the metaphor is is sort of like taking a photograph and and producing a bunch of mug shots so that our our defenses can can react to it. Or um, you know when you have sort of a uh, you know, a piece of clothing from the, you know, the criminal, you give it to the dog and the dog can go, you know, can go smell it. And so um, what you're saying is very important here because uh, there are a lot of myths around vaccines and there's been a lot of changes in them. But but to be clear, you're, you're saying a couple things. Number one, that this is a synthetically manufactured vaccine. So just to be very clear uh, for our listeners, it is not as if we're taking uh, a live strain, uh, you know, of COVID and, and injecting into the people. Obviously, I know you know this, but I think it's it's important in this day and age when there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there. So number one, it's a synthetic, uh, um, you mentioned uh, mRNA, messenger RNA, 
that's been manufactured. Number two, you mentioned that it's non-integrated, uh, so it doesn't get integrated into the into the nucleus of the cell. So I think I mean, that's really important uh, just to illustrate for people why this is so safe. So so it's not as if somebody's going to take this and then get COVID. Uh, there is a there's a 0% chance of that happening uh, because of exactly what you what you described. You mentioned efficacy, uh, 95% efficacy, uh, you know, um, efficacious, which is tremendous. You mentioned even about 50% would be good. Uh, just give us a sense. What does that exactly mean to, you know, to the average human being? Does that mean that uh, out of 100 people who get the vaccine, 95 will get immune? Can, can you just tell us what those numbers actually mean in terms of 95% efficacy? This is, like you said, that, you know, we teach us our immune system to recognize the foreign invaders. So we can be safe if we get a real infection. If you look at these two vaccines trial, it's, we actually, they have recruited about 75,000 volunteers. And 75,000 volunteers is pretty good number actually. And when they did it, they did it across the board in many countries and different ethnicity and different comorbidities and different population. And data shows that, you know, when you are giving the vaccine to a group and not giving the vaccine in other group, and in the vaccinated group, we have a very, very few people actually get infection. And in the non-vaccinated group, there's a significant number of people who got infection. This vaccine, when you look at the hospitalization and death, which is, we call it severe disease from COVID-19, these vaccines are almost 100% effective to prevent the death and hospitalization from COVID-19. We not only seeing that it is preventing the mild infection, it is almost 100% effective for people who are most vulnerable and most you know, a bad outcome they can get actually from COVID-19. So uh, I think this is, uh, we can actually conclude that this is very efficacious. And beyond that, we expected from a vaccine trial, and uh, this is also very safe. So, without a doubt, just a, a remarkable success in terms of its safety, in terms of its efficacy. But let's let's just examine for a moment, because uh, again, these are interesting times that we live in. Uh, science is is one of the most important uh, disciplines in, in in humankind, and yet uh, difficult to understand sometimes. And in this day and age, I think where I sometimes say, uh, you know, uh, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets out of bed. And in the, in the day of social media, a lie probably gets six times around the world before, uh, you know, before the truth gets out of bed. A, a lot of mystery still around vaccines, a lot of myths, uh, even going back to some some things, you know, a couple of decades ago that were proven to be totally false, uh, that led people to, to not believe in vaccines. How is it possible that this got developed uh, so um, not just with such efficacy, but with such speed in, in just just under a year? Can you talk about what what led to that success and, and, and why? Very good question. Actually, we are so lucky that we got this vaccine while the pandemic is actually going on. So when we get things so fast and easy, actually, I think people have, you know, it's reasonable to have a doubt, actually. But one thing I wanted to emphasize that this happened because of the advancement in science, like I mentioned in the beginning, the technology is different. 
for example, if you are actually developing a flu vaccine, for example, every year, they have to go through this cell technology, cell biology. Then you have to go through a lot of regulatory agencies and uh, oversight. So that takes months. So this, uh, this technology actually bypassed that uh, technology, the cell biology. You can see that there is no really uh, red tape uh, and bypass the uh, regulatory agency because it's not touching that technology. But at the same time, I wanted to say that it did not cut the corner. Before we actually develop our manufacturing company, develop any vaccine, number one priority, again, number one priority is the safety. So you are injecting something, a foreign materials to a healthy individual. You don't want to make that healthy individual sick. So that actually in our mind all the time. So vaccine can be less efficacious, but that vaccine has to be, has to be very safe. So that is the number one priority. So what happened is actually, even though we got it less than a year, this vaccine went through every single these stages or the phase that is required. And we look at the efficacy and the safety data. And the safety data is actually, is not done by, or it's not looked at by the pharmaceutical company who make the vaccine. We have an independent body actually who oversight the safety data. So it is an independent group who look at this data, who look at the safety and then approve for the, and then, you know, submit that to FDA and FDA gives the emergency authorization. So if we go through the process, if we go through the, all the, rigorous process that is required for any drug or vaccine, you can be assured that, you know, it touched everything and we feel very confident that it is efficacious and safe. Absolutely. You, you know, the risk benefit analysis at the end of the day is a, is a basic tenant of, of science. It's, it's a basic tenant of, of leadership. It's, it's a basic tenant, frankly, of decision-making is what is the risk and what is the benefit. And, that very simple framework uh, has, has frankly been been missing in a lot of really, really important discussions. But what you're talking about here with respect to the vaccine is, is this. At a population level, you have a, you know, millions of deaths uh, and massive, massive disruption of life due to this virus versus getting the vaccine. Uh, th those are your choices. You can get the vaccine and we can help return life to a, a better uh, sense of normalcy uh, with openness and, and activities and schools and restaurants, or we can not get the vaccine and, and you know, continue to live uh, in, in, in what has been a very uh, chaotic and challenging year. The, the risk benefits certainly, certainly screams in, in favor of getting the vaccine to as many people as fast as possible. I think you've laid out a tremendous case for uh, the safety, the idea that we have gone through massive phases of clinical trials, and now we have millions of people who have actually gotten these vaccines, and the data from them continue to show that this is this is incredibly safe. Um, I'd be remiss if I did not point out that the CDC has uh, apps such as the VSafe app, where if you have received the the vaccine. Uh, you can report any side effects that, that might have occurred. And uh, it continues to be just a fast way for us to give people certainty around 
the safety of this vaccine. Um, just briefly, I think it's important to cover in terms of revving up the immune system, why would somebody get an allergic reaction? Um, you know, even though it's small, let's just say, you know, as you mentioned, one in a million, what is going on? And can you, can you sort of explain to our listeners, is it, is it the notion of your immune system sort of just getting hyperactivated? Uh, why, why would one get an allergic reaction to a vaccine? Yes. Um, so let me just clarify this. So when we get a vaccine, the vaccine is actually packaged in, like I said, lipid nanoparticle. And then for the stabilizing of the vaccine, just for our, our listeners, so so essentially a lipid nanoparticle essentially means a, a sort of a, a very small fat fat uh, surrounded molecule that basically right. encases it is is ju just for the sake of our listeners. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you. Yep. Right. Sure, sure. So, um, and then we need to stabilize the vaccine. Messenger RNA, one disadvantage of messenger RNA is actually is very unstable. So over the years, scientists actually made sure that it is stable. Uh, and for that stability, they use some components. Uh, we call it polyethylene glycol, that probably people are listening to this component. And it was not used before. So some people can be allergic to these components of, like we call it, stabilizer of the vaccine. So this is something that if someone is allergic to the component that you know, they can have this allergic reaction. And this polyethylene glycol is commonly used in several products, for example, toothpaste to Miralax and some other uh, materials that we, we use on a daily basis. So if someone has this allergic reaction that they didn't know, they might get into some sort of, we call it uh, serious to mild allergic reaction from itching to hives to like feeling of dizziness, doom and things like that. So that is, that's usually happen within half an hour to four hours. So that's why we actually are very, very careful because when we are giving this vaccination, we advise people to stay like at least 15 minutes to 30 minutes around so we can actually observe them. So the vaccine, when we actually inject vaccine, our body start to produce the antibody. So it is happening locally on the site and also in a systemic basis. So if someone actually getting a local pain, a soreness and redness and some fever and chills, that means that we are actually fighting, we are actually making the antibody. So in this study shows that the older we are, we are actually showing the less reactogenicity and younger we are, we are showing more reactogenicity. So I rather use reactogenicity than side effect, uh, but which is actually expected from any vaccinations. T terrific, well, well, wonderful segue into where I wanna go next. But yeah, the idea of reactogenicity is, is the notion that, that it's working, right? I mean, your body is responding. We, we want the body to, to respond if I use this sort of uh, you know, we're printing out a bunch of mud shots. Example, you know, the, the printer's getting, it's getting hot. <laughs> There's a lot of pictures getting printed there. And so we, we, we want that to happen. Um, so I'm glad that you, that you're, you know, you're making that distinction. And I'm also glad that you're pointing out this idea of packaging. So the, the, the vaccine itself has to be delivered uh, in the human body. Uh, frankly, it's, it's something that we work on with any therapeutic, any medication is, you develop the medication, but how do you get it into a 
a, a, a mechanism that your body can use it and frankly not destroy it before it, um, it, it can do what we want it to do. In the rare occurrence that there is an allergic reaction that a human being has, it's usually to that packaging uh, of the virus, of the vaccine that we use. And that packaging sometimes has components that the body can be allergic to. That being said, uh, you know, our cancer patients have unique um, regimens that they're on and drugs that they're taking and, and systems, uh, immune systems in their body. What should cancer patients know specifically about uh, the vaccine, how, how they might respond to it differently uh, going forward? Very good question. So as I said, that it is very safe and there is no actually correlation between the allergic reaction or side effect of the vaccine and what they get in terms of the cancer-directed therapy. But one thing we need to realize that the cancer patient who actually get active chemotherapy or radiation therapy or immunotherapy, they may not mount as much immunity or antibody as other people. Like they may not have as robust antibody response. So what we typically do, and it is true for all vaccines, not only COVID-19 vaccine, that we, if we can, we like to wait two weeks. Why two weeks? Any vaccine, it takes about 10 to 14 days to develop adequate immunity antibody. So if it's possible, the cancer patient should take the vaccine at least two weeks after the chemotherapy or two weeks before the chemotherapy. So I would say that please talk to your oncologist or infectious disease consultant and see what is the best time for you to take the vaccine. So again, uh, there's no correlation between the allergic reaction and the uh, chemotherapy or immunotherapy. There is no correlation between what the cancer-directed therapy you're getting and the side effect. Uh, but it is true that the risk of COVID-19 and also bad outcome from COVID-19 is way higher than any kind of side effect or reactogenicity that you expect from the vaccines. Very, very helpful. You know, I know we get these questions a lot from our cancer patients in addition to when will they be able to access the vaccine and, and all sorts of questions, but just sticking with kind of this clinical realm. So number one, no evidence of any, uh, well, you've described where the, the uh, allergic reactions can come from, which is that, um, envelope or that sort of uh, casing that we put the vaccine into, um, nothing specifically about a cancer patient that would make them more allergic, uh, nothing specifically to suggest that there's um, uh, uh, an adverse interaction uh, between a, um, an oncology drug that they may be taking. And, and ultimately, going back to your risk-benefit analysis, what you've laid out is that the risk of COVID being greater to a cancer patient but the uh, the the risk of a vaccine being you know tiny and equal across the board would lend itself towards saying that cancer patients indeed should be among the top of the list in getting vaccinated. Would you would you agree with that statement? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, the category right now that we see that one C, which is very very high uh, in terms of the priority of the vaccines. And uh, again, the priority of the vaccine actually done because we don't get the 200 million doses at the same time. So uh, we are getting the batches of vaccines and that's why we need to prioritize uh, population because we can't get vaccinate every single Americans at the same time. So uh, 
who are the vulnerable vulnerable again older individuals uh, more than 60 65 uh, people who has who have cancer who are getting the immunosuppressions uh, and then other morbid morbidities like diabetes and high blood pressure so they are the one who are actually more vulnerable to get the bad outcome of the covid-19 and as we know that the most of the time if you're healthy otherwise if you are younger otherwise then covid-19 actually in 80% cases it is pretty mild only that 10 to 15% cases we can actually see that you know hospitalization and then other bad outcome and it's not only me that i'm actually talking about we know that american society of uh, clinical oncology they also recommend that the cancer patient should get uh, the vaccination as soon as possible as you said at the beginning cancer does not wait for covid we have spoken a lot about this concept of the shadow curve uh literally you know um, tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of patients perhaps that have had their their cancer diagnoses delayed or or missed because of covid um and and you've really laid out a case as have every intelligent body out there from you mentioned the uh, asco the american society of clinical oncology and a whole bunch of other um uh, you know really um professional organizations saying that cancer patients should really be in that first line of patients to get vaccinated you know i'm a i'm an optimistic realist or a realistic optimist either way that being said you know i, I think there's there's tremendous hope on the horizon here this vaccine is the single greatest hope for us to uh, you know, to put COVID-19 uh, back in in kind of, uh, you know, in, in, into our history rather than into our present and future. Um, let's talk about what that's going to take at a population level. So, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci predicted that if we can get 70 to 85 percent of the uh, public vaccinated by the end of the summer, that should be enough to really cause an exponential decline in the, in the spread of this virus. Where where are we right now in terms of population vac- you know, of population that's been vaccinated? Where do we need to get to to really reach a t- tipping point where the population at large will be safer from COVID-19? When we wanted to eradicate a virus, an infection from a community, uh, the pandemic, we need at least 70 to 80 percent population either immune by disease or immune by the uh, vaccines. So immune by the diseases like the you know natural immunity we, we call it and then immune immunity by the vaccine is the acquired immunity. You know we are trying to uh, vaccinate 100 million uh, population in 100 days. So if that can be done, then we can actually see that you know in couple of months, if I would like to be very, very optimistic, uh, we can get it done because we are getting not only these two vaccines, we are getting other vaccines too uh, in our pipeline and also they are done with the clinical study. So every single day or week, actually, we are getting very nice uh, data and efficacy wise, and there are many different vaccines available. Uh, So I think if we have that leadership and if we have that enthusiasm and optimism and and the innovation of giving the vaccines uh, to a population that we need, I think it can be done. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And oftentimes when I'm speaking to, to, to friends or, or people on this topic, I say, uh, collectively speaking, we as a people, as a country, uh, as a society really need to, to band together and, and learn the facts, learn that you're, you're protecting not only yourself, but you're protecting your loved ones, you're protecting your community and doing so. To those listening to this show uh, today and in the future, what would you tell them about getting a vaccine and the importance of getting a vaccine as it becomes available to them uh, in the weeks ahead? As you mentioned in the beginning that this is probably one of the best thing that humankind actually did, the vaccination. We actually looked at the history and we know that the world was, you know, devastated with the very dangerous diseases like smallpox, polio, and measles, and so on. And we kind of eradicated. The smallpox eradicated a couple of decades ago. There are only a handful of cases of polio every year. So we can do it. We can do it. We are in an age where the science has done tremendous advancement. Just think about if I can put this in a perspective. Like when we had Spanish flu, like 100 years ago, that time it went through like, you know, three years and killed millions and millions of people all over the world. We did not even know what is the organism was causing it. We know about the virus about 10, 15 years later. And forget about the vaccine. Vaccine came about 20 to 30 years later. If I compare that now, when the first case was diagnosed of COVID-19 in last week of December of 2019, by two weeks, we not only know the virus, we know the sequence of the virus and what is actually how we can diagnose by PCR and how we can actually teach people what to do prevent, prevention-wise. So it was done so quickly. And believe it or not, uh, as soon as we know the sequence of the virus, we got the vaccine in a couple of weeks. Of course, it had to go through the phases and the clinical trial. So we are living in an extraordinary time that things are very, very fast. We are getting the thing that we need actually to save the population. We cannot let this pandemic take and win. So we need to fight. We need to fight very hard. And if we actually vaccinate if I vaccinate myself, I'm actually helping others. I'm helping the community, I'm helping the country, and I'm helping eventually the world. We are very fortunate to take the advantage of the science and try to stay safe and be safe. And, you know, we can win it. Well, fantastic. And I should mention that you've gotten the vaccine, I've gotten the vaccine, and, uh, and, and you hit the nail on the head. This is... This is literally the shot that we've been waiting for for over a year. Um, so you've done an incredible job of laying out, uh, you know, how the vaccine uh, works, uh, why specifically it is so safe and so efficacious in terms of the science and the data that you've laid out. And most importantly, that, that it is imperative uh, for patients uh, and people, everybody, to get this vaccine as soon as they can to protect themselves and their loved ones. So thank you for uh, just sharing your, your knowledge and your expertise. Thank you, Dr. Chaudhary, for all you do for keeping cancer patients safe. And uh, thank you for taking time away from that busy job that you have to join us here on the show. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you.